Where did we really get all the books of the Bible? I mean, I know they're there, all 66, collected, bound together, but why? And do we have all the books we're supposed to? That's our question for today on Rooted Daily. Welcome to Rooted Daily, the podcast where in 10 minutes or less, each day we root you in the Bible so you can grow with God. I'm Brandon Levy. And while we rarely say it among the things that we have faith in, almost all self-professing Christians share a fundamental belief in one thing, that the 66 books that are included in our Bible belong. We don't talk about it very often, and we may have never really thought too hard about it before, but implicitly, we believe all the books of the Bible should be there. And there aren't any books that are missing. Should we believe that, though? You know, the word we use for the collection of Bible books is canon. And you can think about the biblical canon in two ways. The first way is the inspired canon. If God conveyed any words that he wanted mankind to see, that would be in his canon. If he wrote a sentence on a napkin one day, that would be a part of his inspired canon. Now, if we didn't like what that napkin said, if we doubted it came from God, it really wouldn't change the inspired canon. The inspired canon isn't about what we think, it's about the actual source. If something actually came from God, then it's in the inspired canon. Now, the other form or way of thinking about a canon is the recognized canon. That's the table of contents in your Bible, the list of books we recognize as being from God. And even if there is some doubt throughout history of the recognized canon, it's very important for us as Christians to know that does not undermine the inspired canon. If God spoke to us, and spoiler alert, he has, then there is an inspired canon. The question is, just how closely does our recognized canon line up with the real inspired canon of God? There's this popular idea out there that sometime in the fourth century, a bunch of bearded guys in robes got together and they decided on what books are from God. And one of the common ideas is that happened when Constantine converted to Christianity, held what we know as the Council of Nicaea. And at the council, they claim that a bunch of men decided what is scripture. That's not how it happened. And let me tell you why. There were no votes taken. No one said, well, 9-4, Ephesians is in and, and, and Jude is out. If you start in the fourth century, you're never really going to understand how we got scripture. But rather, we have to start in the first century. It begins with the words that Jesus spoke and then with the words that his apostles wrote as men who were sent out by him and for him with the gospel message. And the critics will say, before the fourth century, you can't understand scripture because Christianity was so widely diverse. There was no common agreement on what was God's word and what wasn't. But just open up the scriptures and you'll see that's just not true. Jude, uh, verse 3, says, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. Paul wrote, Galatians 1, 8 through 9, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. 
as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. There is one truth, there is one faith that was once for all entrusted to God's people. The word is complete and sufficient, and it was complete and sufficient when Jude wrote. It was known well before the fourth century. The Christians living as the canon was being written understood just like God's people in Old Testament times that as God breathed, men wrote and scripture was accepted even before it was complete. That's reason number one, we can be confident in the canon. Reason number two though gets into some history. And between the time that the Bible was complete and this council in the fourth century, Council of Nicaea, the books of the New Testament were affirmed repeatedly by early Christians, the so-called church fathers. They quoted it and they spoke of it as scripture long before some fourth century meeting of bearded guys and colorful robes. For instance, in 95 AD, Clement of Rome writes, the apostles received the gospel's force and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was sent from God. Christ therefore is from God and the apostles from Christ. And then Clement quotes from Matthew, Luke, 1 Corinthians, Romans, Galatians, Hebrews, and he refers to them as scripture. We could quote in 110 AD, Ignatius, he was on his way to be martyred, and he wrote a bunch of letters, and in those letters he called the Gospels scripture, and he spoke about Paul's letters as well. Polycarp in 110 AD, he was a disciple of the Apostle John, and in a letter Polycarp wrote to Philippi, he quotes Ephesians, and he calls it scripture. And listen, it's not like any of these guys were trying to make a case for why they are scripture. They just assume everyone knows it is. He quotes Matthew, Luke, Acts, 1 John, 1 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, 1 and 2 Timothy. He mentions Paul several times. He acknowledges that Paul is an apostle, that he has authority in his writings to the church. Uh, in fact, Polycarp places the apostles alongside the prophets as being equal in authority and being scripture. We've got Papias in 125 AD, Justin Martyr in 150 AD, Tatian in 160, then in 170 we get the Muratorian fragment. That's the first list of books that we have. And the fragment's mutilated, but it seems at the beginning to mention Matthew and Mark indirectly because it goes on to list Luke as the third gospel. Then it mentions uh, John, and the fragment also mentions Acts, uh, the epistles of Paul, Jude, First and Second John, uh, Revelation, and Peter. Now, uh, it's interesting, the Muratorian fragment, it says that the shepherd of Hermes should not be included in this list, and it tells us why, because it was written in our time. It's too late for new books to be added to scripture because scripture is complete. It was once for all handed down to the saints. Arrhenus then in 180 AD says that there are only four gospels. And at that time, there are some others that were being written. And in talking about the gospels, he says, we have learned from none others the plan of our salvation than from those through whom the gospel has come down to us, which they did at one time proclaim in public and at a later period by the will of God handed down to us in the scriptures to be the ground and pillar of our faith. Again, this idea of wild diversity in the first 300 years of the church and no solid agreement on what is scripture until the fourth century in the meeting of powerful bearded men in colorful robes 
it simply does not hold up to history. And then around 320 AD, we start to see some real lists of what is scripture using the same criteria that had been used throughout the centuries. First, was the book written by an apostle or an associate of an apostle? Number two, was the book widely accepted by the church? And number three, was the teaching in conformity to the standards of sound doctrine? And by that, what I mean, it rules out some of the, the wild stuff in those other writings. Like in the Gospel of Thomas, when Jesus is raised, um, a, a talking cross comes out of the tomb with him. And when Jesus got mad as a child, he zapped a playmate to death. It, it rules out that kind of stuff. When any reasonable person puts the so-called banned books of the Bible that some people tout as, as being excluded from our canon, when they put those up against the books in our Bible, the difference is pretty obvious. From that criteria, 320 AD, Eusebius lists 22 books. He didn't include James and Jude, 2 Peter, 2 and 3 John, not because no one recognized them, uh, but because there is some doubt. In 330 AD, Cyril of Jerusalem lists 26 books, all but Revelation, maybe because there were some cults that were rising out of what you read in Revelation at the time. They were using Revelation to lead people astray. And by the time we get to 366 AD, uh, we get our first list of 27 books. 390 AD, Gregory lists our 27 books. 394, Jerome, Augustine lists our 27 books. 397, the Council of Carthage lists our 27 books. You know, over the course of history, there was always a general sense of what was scripture and what wasn't. And the same list of the 27 books that you have right now in your New Testament was agreed by virtually all, not to be just a good list or the preferred list, but the actual list of the books in the inspired canon of God. But through all of that history, that's a lot of dates, don't forget the theology. God breathed and men wrote down what he breathed. That's the canon inspired. And what we see is that from the first century and into the second century and on to the fourth century and on to today, men saw these exact writings as scripture, canon recognized, so that the canon recognized came to match exactly what the canon inspired is. Why is that important to know? Well, because if I can't trust that the Bible is what it claims to be, my foundation's on sand. God says we have to root ourselves in his word, which means we have to be confident what his word is. And the good news for today is we can. Sometimes we talk about the canon like it's too difficult to comprehend or it's not important enough to study or it's just a, a bunch of boring history. No, our trust that we have God's word available to us anytime we want it, that's the foundation of our faith. And it's what we should build our lives on. And that'll do it for this episode of Rooted Daily. I cannot wait to sit down and open up God's word with you next time. Thank you for watching this episode of Rooted Daily. We're praying that you are growing with us as we study the Bible and use God's word as our only foundation. If you appreciate this content and you wanna make sure that others see it, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app and hit the share button. Most importantly, if you are ready to take the next step, to repent, be baptized, and hand over your life to Jesus, let's talk today. Just send me a text to 317-207-2734.